and praise God together. And uh, there were a few people that were like, hey, what was this? You know? And um, I made you embarrassed because I said, well, you know, that's why Wes raises his hands. Because Wes, my little boy, is three years old and he hasn't been polluted by this world. He raises his hands up because I'm his daddy. He raised his hand up. And I said, anybody want to be a missionary? <laughs> he raised his hand. Right? Unless you raise your hands, don't you? Yes, you do. He raises his hands up. And I just want you to realize that there's a spirit to worship. And there's a wonder to it. And there's also a weightiness. And this morning, I want to talk about that because there's a great dynamic that is, occurs. It's supernatural. Many of you have felt it. You've been in events. I can look out. I've seen people here that have been broken by the Spirit of God and God has touched them through an event, through music, through worship of God. I've shared with you my own personal testimony of how God, you know, I didn't like the music we played in here. You know, it was not even as, as modern as it is now. It was really pretty old-fashioned. It was Pastor McCarty. Some of you know who Pastor McCarty is. Okay? I mean, listen, talk about rigid. The whole family claps the same way. That's how rigid they are. Right? But I'll tell you something. The heart of their worship had an impact. See, they were worshiping the right way, not because of a formula, but because of what was built in here. It's normal for us to have patterns and and to mimic each other. This is how we learn. But there is a blessed communion, a coming together that is the reality of worship, coming together with Christ. Some of you are resisting that. You don't want to come together. You know? You don't want to. You're absorbed is something else that is other than God and other than communion with God. And it is distracting you. It is harming you. It's harming your ability. And we must overcome it. I want to read from the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The wonder and weightiness of worship is the message this morning. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands. Nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men to inhabit the whole earth, and he had determined their appointed 
many times in the boundaries of their lands. See, I read this scripture this morning because this is the heart of worship. You must understand that God is your author. I use my children sometimes, especially in this arena, as an example because I want you to understand that me and my wife, just like you and your wife, if you have kids here today, they, with God, are your only authors. They created you. And God teaches us through his word that this is how we worship. We honor our mother and father, and then we learn that God will adopt us if we will honor him. He has given us as parents a great responsibility. And he's given even children a great responsibility and opportunity to know him. But sometimes we fall short in our understanding. See, because there are no ceremonies or rituals that will achieve this goal. See, one reason that the church begins to lose the reality of the life and of the spirit and subsequently the truth of the Lord and of Jesus Christ is that it begins to incorporate and it begins to substitute the symbols and the ceremony for true worship. You can think I'm worshiping God because I came to service this morning. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. Time and time again in the Bible, God describes people who are devout, and yet their heart is far from Him. And this is a reality that you must face if you really desire to have a relationship with God. You must face this reality. Some of you, it's you're just learning this, and you have to realize that you have ants in your pants. And you have to overcome the ants in your pants if you're going to get to know God. Some of you have to realize that I'm not living my life the right way. And I have to overcome these challenges in my life so that I can know and worship God truly in my heart. He's revealed things to you. But you made the wrong assumption maybe this morning. Possibly that you just automatically worship God. I can tell you, I came into this church desperate and in need. And I bowed my knee and God met me right here at the altar. But I did not just automatically worship God. I had to begin to be discipled. And I had to begin to come through a process of knowing him and responding to him so that I was actually worshiping him by going to church and not just going to church so many people I've heard they say well I wasn't getting fed at the church I wasn't getting what I needed from the church and I have to tell you something unless they're not preaching the word of God and 
disciples need to have an argument. But the truth is, the truth is that you have to come to eat. Some people come with the most meager tokens of participation. And they regard it as worship or belief or a devout heart for God. And they think that's sufficient. But I will tell you, you couldn't be farther from the truth. See, what they lack and what we can lack as a group is the revelation of what worship is. And there's several errors in thinking. One of the ones that I talked about this morning in the scripture was that God needs worship. Paul at Athens He's standing there. This scripture that I spoke this morning, Acts 17, verse 25, that portion of the scripture, Paul is at Athens. He sees an altar to an unknown God. A God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he says he is not worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives breath and life to all things. Let me tell you this morning, God does not need worship. You need worship. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is that God has to, he needs this. That whatever we do can be said as an expression of worship. You ever heard somebody, I worship God in my own way? Really? Last time I checked, my son didn't choose to raise his hands up for his father. He needed his father. And so he raised them. You need God this morning. Amen. And so you need to learn that you need to raise your hands up to him. I don't mean to be too blunt, but this is what preaching the gospel is about. This is what preaching the truth is about. You're wrong. God's right. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And that's just a word for persons, ladies. So, you're not off the hook. See, Deuteronomy 12, 31, it says that not whatever we do, we don't worship God in our own way. Listen, it says, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Pretty blunt. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. You don't worship God like you worship little Wayne. You don't. You don't 
worship your God like you worship Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam. You don't worship your God like that tingly feeling you have when your favorite artist comes on the YouTube screen. You don't worship God like how you feel cool when you're playing your video games. That's not how to worship him, because he hates that. He can't stand it. He's not up there going, oh, you know they feel about me like they do about Justin Bieber. That's awesome. That's so cool. I am a cool God. I'm cool like Justin Bieber. I know it seems ridiculous, but if we're honest with our own hearts, we've gone that route. When I was a little kid, I turned God into He-Man. You know? By the power of grace, go! I used to run out into the middle of the room, no matter where anyone was, the family would be off in the living room, I'd wait for him to be there, you know, and I'd run out. By the power of grace, go! I have the power! See? That proves one thing. Well, two, one that I'm an idiot. The second, that we're impressionable. We can be impressed with the wrong things. See, people devise worship according to the nature of the gods they serve and how they understand and perceive their gods is who they will worship. And in the scripture, God makes a very, very vivid point to these people. He says to them in the final verse that I read, 1231, he says, For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Think about the things our nation has burned at the altars in the name of freedom. In the name of equality. Think about what they're teaching our children in school. See, you have to realize this if you want to worship a revelation of God. See, a revelation of God has to be true. And Worship and revelation, they are critically related. See, they apply to each other. There's a give and a take when you're worshiping and you have the right to worship God. You have to correspond and be appropriate. Okay? You know, the world wants to tell us that Men should be able to dress up in dresses and come to church and worship God in a dress. That's what the world wants to tell you. But God is jealous. There's a divine jealousy for God. 
Exodus 34 says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. This is a picture of somebody who is possessive and protective. See, jealousy in a man is wrong because men don't own other things. They're given them by God. But God owns all things, and he has a different attitude. See, he's not jealous because he's not getting the attention like you are. I've met and we all know this reality. We're, we're kind of egocentric. We're selfish sometimes. God is not selfish or egocentric. Matter of fact, he's invisible. Just so that he doesn't overwhelm us. You know, God, we came here and sat down in all his power. You know what happened to all of us? We would be blinded by the light of God. We'd be blinded. If we were lucky, we would bow down so quickly that we would be scorched to death. His radiance would be so great and so massive. You know, Sometimes when you worship God, you have to know who he really is. You know? And then God would have to, in his mercy, he'd have to leave. And we'd all be blind, and we'd be looking around, and he'd have to send someone. And he would go, hey, hey, those, those people, they weren't really being holy. What I want you to do is I want you to go there, and I want you to tell them that I am holy, and then touch their head. And let them see again. We have to have a messenger that can impart that to us. Because he is holy. Now I'm making up a scenario here. But the truth is, God's holiness is, you know, that's not a big leap for God. As a matter of fact, there's a story in the Bible that's similar to that. He wrote most of the New Testament. His name's Paul. That's what happened when he met God. And he thought he was serving God. Matter of fact, he recognized God. You know, he's funny. He said, Lord, who are you? That's like saying, God, are you the God that I'm supposed to be knowing? Or did I, is there a greater God than the one I've been worshiping? Some people get confused with that. They're like, how did he crawl on the Lord? He, he realized that the God he was worshiping was a selfie God. And he was like, who's this big G God? Because you're a big G God. And that was the heart of his worship. That was the, the foundation of who he was and how he worshiped God. When God touched your soul and you wept tears because of your sin, and he revealed your sin to you, have you had that happen here? If you have, you have an opportunity to know what your sin has done to Jesus Christ. Put him on the cross. And 
you can worship God. See, God doesn't want you to falsely worship Him. That's just your will leads you. Because your will will lead you away from God. To sin. And ultimately to captivity. And I want to tell you something as we go to the next point here. The devil despises and understands worship. He understands the dynamics of worship. And he seeks to divert and pervert it. I'm talking about worship. You know, you have to have this kind of conviction inside of you. Listen, I have had to tell young men they're talented. I'll give you a little story. And a young man, he wanted to do something for God. He knew that I was going to let him do it because I'm that kind of pastor. I'm going to give a guy an opportunity. And he came up to me. Hey, Pastor, can I play? Um, no, brother, we didn't really get here early enough to do that. If you really wanted to do something, you should have reached out to me, but, you know, but I'll have you next time, I promise. And he came up to me a little later. Hey, hey Pastor, can I do the, can I do the, at least do the altar call? Sure, son, you can do the altar call. Did you tell it? Did you tell it tomorrow? I will tell you that you know you want an opportunity to do it. And so I told the people, and then I see him long behold go into the bathroom. Right? And he puts his fixes his hair, right? You know? And it's a noble effort. But it, it shows a few things. One thing it shows is that, you know, he's a little short-sighted. Wasn't really ready to worship God, to lead the worship of God, was he? His hair wasn't even straight. He just got out of bed and thought he could just worship God. Right? The second thing it exposed was that his appearance was kind of important to him, wasn't it? Even though he wasn't prepared, you know, you can go to the other spectrum where he's making this really important. And so as a pastor, I have to do something at that point. I have to whisper in his ear, just remember you're worshiping God. And then he saw five people give their lives to Christ and another young girl pray after service. See, that's worship. That's being molded, you know, being committed, fighting for it, but also taking, you know, when I whispered in his ear, he just looked at me. Yeah, I get it. You know, my daddy taught me that too. 
I didn't say that because he wasn't a good young man. I said it because we all need to understand that there's a heart for worship. Isaiah 14, 13. This is what the devil does, though. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will send into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This refers to Lucifer, originally named the day star. That refers to the place he had fallen from. I will ascend into heaven, exalt my throne. See, this, there's, a, there's a, something going on here. You know, one of the most powerful scriptures you can read is Ezekiel 28. If you want to know anything about worship and false worship, you read that scripture. It talks about the devil. It talks about Satan. He was the highest of the angels. It, his sum, the sum of his beauty and his wisdom was above all things. He was anointed and he covered. That refers to the musical skill. He covered the saints or the angels at that time. He covered them. That means that he, he was the conductor. He was the musician. He was the song leader. And he was in the very presence of God. His place was the very presence of God. And it suggests this was Lucifer. Well, it suggests more. It, it, it tells you it was Lucifer. But it suggests that he was the worship leader for God. But pride and jealousy because of the self-worship became what he attributed to the Lord. See, he was worshiping God by worshiping himself. And God judged that in an instant. That's why Jesus says to him, I saw you fall from heaven. And you will fall if you do not know God and, be, and have the ability to truly worship Him with your heart, you will fall. I don't like saying that. I hate saying that. But the Bible is crystal clear. Even the Lord was tempted. Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. See, it was more than just trying to reveal sin or get Jesus to sin here. He was talking and revealing an attitude and a strategy that he had in himself. You know, the Old Testament has this illustration of Israel and the tabernacle. They defile the tabernacle and they are condemned. I know that this is a little intense, but you must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not a method. It's not a formula. 
You know, they had feasts in the Old Testament. They had all these various aspects of divine redemption that came from the feast, but they missed the heart of it. They just did the feast. They did not reflect the work of God. They did not reflect the covenant relationship with God. It's not supposed to be a dreaded duty. It's supposed to be a joyous celebration. It's not mere method. Listen to the word of God here as I close. It involves your whole being. It's my final point. You can't serve God without your whole being. John 4, verse 21. Jesus said to this woman, listen. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He seeks a certain type of worship, and it's your whole being that he seeks. The truth. See, God is worthy. Apart from before he does anything in your life, before he's done anything here, he is worthy because of who he is. See, the shortcoming of many is their view in the revelation of God is too small. This was my problem. You know, there's angels who have never fallen. And thus, they never know the wonder of redemption, the continuing grace. They, they were born that way. They were made that way. That's what they do. They just praise God and worship Him. How much more for us than we know? See, God says that we're, one day we're going to be above angels. I always wondered about that. You know, why is that? It's because we have the ability to have something that they don't have. We have redemption. See, worship is the occupation of the soul with God himself. To sing to God with all your soul, you redeemed me. You helped me. Worship is Transcendent, it goes above all things. It's about sacrifice. It's above the song. It's above the lifestyle. It's above everything. It's even above the praise and the adulation. The first and the greatest commandment, as I close, is Mark 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, 
and with all your strength. You know, when Solomon became king, he needed God to come and change the trajectory of his nation. The nation of Israel was full of just false prophets, and they had a history of bad kings, and Saul was pretty bad. They had King David, who was one of the good ones, but he also, you know, killed the guy's wife. Oh yeah, and that was yeah, killed killed the guy, killed the wife's. Uh, I'm sorry, killed his. Girlfriend's husband. If you want to make it specific, he was one of the good kings. There only been two. God had told him, "Don't ever have kings." But if that's what you want, here you go. You can copy the rest of the world who has kings. He was desperate. Oh, by the way, that was his dad who got killed by his other dad. <laughs> What I mean by that is his mom's first husband got killed by his dad. It's a pretty complicated family tree. You think your family's bad, huh? Huh? You ever thought about this for a second? Do you actually think about what the Bible says? Sons, daughters, look at me. Young people, Dominic, look at me. You think your family's bad? You think your history is bad? I lived in that in that self sorrow and pity, and then I met God. I met God. God changed that by being who He is, not by who I am, but by who He is. And you can have that revelation this morning. Solomon was desperate, and the funny thing about Solomon. He had something special in him. I've heard people tell me that Solomon, you know, he didn't make it to heaven. Or, you know, and I have a hard time believing it. I can't tell you for sure. But I can tell you one thing. I think he repented. I think God forgave him. Because he knew how to worship God. The Bible says that Solomon's sacrifice was so powerful to God that God came to meet him. First he met him personally, but then it says that as Solomon went through all this hard work, I want, to, I want you to think about this, Solomon built the temple of the Lord for his father. His father invested his entire life into giving him this opportunity. And he completed the work. He did all the hard work. There were people who did not believe in Solomon, just like there are people who don't believe in you or in your pastor. But the Bible says that when he gave his sacrifice, he began to worship the Lord. And as he worshiped God and he prayed to him, the glory filled the temple. And God put his name on his ministry and on his reign. 
Sinners know the Lord. Well, even today, sinners, they sinners are they know who Solomon is too is. They know about his riches and his wealth. They don't receive the revelation that he did it through worship, labor, and sacrifice. See, when we come to church, it's supposed to usher in the very presence and the glory of God Himself. But you only see that when you're desperate for it. When you see the need. So don't regret your past. Don't regret your shortcomings and your inadequacies. Don't wallow in them. But come to God and say, God, I, I know my need for you. I'm going to come with a heart to worship you. When you get distracted and forgetful, look around at the people around you who are worshiping him. Look at what happened when the people who got together, young people just got together. And God did something. Now, you know, the thing that's sad is that he didn't do it for everyone there. I even saw young people that, you know, they strategically got themselves out of the, you know, fray. I watched them with sadness in my heart. I thought to myself, is there someone that can reach them? God, please touch them even though they're resisting you. Even though they're afraid, even though they're ashamed, even though they, they, they're too cool for school, whatever the case may be, even if they're a jerk, God, touch them. Amen. Find somebody that can go out. Maybe there's a parent. If there's a parent in here, Father, that can go out there and touch them, touch them. If their parents are messed up, if there's a pastor or a disciple, go out there. If there's a young person, go out there and bring them. Because your very presence and your glory is here for those who want it and will worship you. That's all I have this morning. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. The one